Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. But it's good to be here. I'm uh, really excited to be here with you all this morning. Unfortunately, my wife couldn't be uh, here with me as well. Uh, She's picking up her brother uh, from the airport. So I'm feeling it. You're missing out because she really is the definition of my better half. She's normally sitting in the front row cheering me on, and so I'm going to be missing it. So if you want to cheer me on, you're more than welcome to because normally she's up the front. Oh, thank you. I wasn't fishing for a compliment, but I'm glad I got one anyway. So uh, that's great. But yeah, I, I notice it when my wife's uh, not in the room, not here with me supporting me. And it's, it's interesting because all of us are very aware of the different relationships that we have with people. And let's be real here. Uh, all of us want people to like us. Everyone wants a good relationship with the people around them. We want a good relationship with our spouse good relationship with boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're not necessarily at the marriage stage yet, good relationship with the boss, always helpful. And we all want good relationships with our mechanic because, you know, like, let's be real, I got no idea what's going on with the car and I just needed a good mechanic to help me buy a new one, as Dave said, because both of them got stolen. So, um, yeah, crazy. You can ask me about it later. It's a crazy story. But uh, we all want good relationships with these people around us because we want good relationships. And it's interesting because... While we know good relationships are important, we aren't necessarily taught how to have good relationships. You know, our parents try and give us some good advice, like be nice, share with your brothers and sisters, you know, like those things, they try and give us some advice. But it's not like we ever sit down at school and go, all right, here's the relationship class, how to have great friendships and great relationships for the rest of your life. We don't do it because we know that it's complicated. And these days, our relationships are more complicated than ever. Let's be real, we've got our face-to-face relationships that we're trying to manage, as well as now we have all of our digital, online relationships that we're trying to manage, and they so often interact and interrupt each other. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had someone say, can you put your phone down and be present with me, my love, my husband, stop being distracted. Like I said, half-decent husband, I'm learning. But we have these things, and they interact and interrupt our lives. We're trying to learn how to navigate a physical face-to-face relationship while having these digital ones interrupt us. And what we've actually found, sociologists have found, that these digital devices, our wonderful phones that do so many great things for us, are actually making us relationally lazy. Yeah, I'm glad I got a lot of amens out of that. Relationally lazy. Now, I live in an apartment block, and so I get in a lift with people all the time. And so what do we do when we feel uncomfortable about trying to have a connection with someone we've never met? We get out our phones and pretend like we're already in a conversation with someone else. We're getting relationally lazy, and what's happening is we're actually unlearning how to have good relationships. Studies have suggested that our EQ, our emotional intelligence, which is the key metric for how we're going to go in relationships, is getting less. We're getting less relationally savvy while dealing with more complex relationships. What a difficult time to try and do this, caring about others, looking after others, being in community with others. And it gets even more complicated for us as as Christians. If you're a Christian here in the room this morning, we know that our relationship with others also dictates our relationship with God. See, Jesus talks about it in Matthew 25. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And then in Matthew 6, he says, you know, if you forgive someone else's sin, God will forgive yours. But if you don't forgive their sin, God won't 
forgive yours. He's trying to help us understand the principle that our relationship with others is impacting our relationship with God and our relationship with God should dictate our relationship with others. I mean, talk about a difficult scenario for us all to be sitting in. But thankfully, God's heart is for all of us to have great relationship. God's heart is that all of us would be living in love and unity with others. And so God, in his word, gives us 94 different one another statements, which are all statements about how we should relate to one another. Now, over the next four weeks, because we figured a 94-week series might drag on a little bit, you know, nearly two years' worth of the same stuff would feel laborious. But over four weeks, we're going to look at four of these one another statements so that we can see our relationships within these four walls transformed and our relationships outside these four walls transformed. Which is great because I am terrible when it comes to relationships. You can ask my friends, you can definitely ask my wife, but I'm terrible at it. And I thought I'd share one story so that you guys can see that I'm standing up here as someone who's also trying to figure this out. When I was 21, I was living back in Ballarat and I decided to hang out with some of my friends and their girlfriends. There were seven of us and I was the seventh wheel. It's way worse than being the third wheel because you're excluded three different times over. And um, I was the seventh wheel for the day and we decided to uh, hang out and we thought the plan would be get some fish and chips, go to the park. Now in Ballarat, it's really complicated because there's two parks, you know, wild, two whole parks that you can choose from. And uh, me and my friend Ryan were super keen to go to the park at Lake Wendouree, which is a man-made lake that used to be a swamp. Again, Ballarat for everyone. It's a, a beautiful place. And we wanted to go there because it's really great. It's got the best playground. It's got the picturesque lake views. And it's got a tram that you can do a two-kilometer round loop for $2. I thought, wow, this is great. We're really selling it. But the others wanted to go to the local park. that was only five minutes away, but it had one swing no lake, and no tram. And I was like, why would you ever want to go there? Let's get the fish and chips and go to Lake Wendouree. Ryan and I were trying to sell it really strongly, but we took a vote and we lost five to two. We didn't, we didn't get anyone on our side and decided that we were going to collect the fish and chips and then go to this boring park instead. So we gather the fish and chips after they're ready and we get in the cars. Ryan and I get in one car and the other five get in another car, I guess because they were complaining about us and so we were complaining about them. But we get in the car and I put my seatbelt on. As I put my seatbelt on, I notice that the fish and chips are in my lap. And I realise that everyone else is in the other car. And so I turn to Ryan and I say, Ryan, we have the fish and chips let's go to the lake because they're going to have to follow us if they want any fish and chips. Now, Ryan's a nice guy. Obviously, I'm not. And he was like, no, I don't think we should do that. I was like, dude, we know that the lake is way better. Let's do it. They'll thank us later because they'll be like, oh, I'm so glad I went on the tram. You know, like they'll be so excited about the fact we went to the lake. He's like, no, I really don't think we should. So, Ryan, just do it. He's like, okay. And so we drove to the lake and I was getting ready to be heralded as a great man who had thought about what was really better for everyone. And instead, we get to the car and it's quite an icy reception for me, not Ryan. Everyone knew that I just pressured him into doing it. And uh, no one really wanted to hang out with me that day. We had our fish and chips and then all the couples went off and hung out together and I sat on the tram by myself <laughs> thinking about what I'd done. And as every 21-year-old male loves to do, 
I introspectively reflected on my actions <laughs> because I had nothing else to do. I remember sitting there thinking, why do I do this? Because unfortunately, I've done it many times before and been in similar situations. And so I'm like, why do I do this? Why do I do this? And I really felt like, you know, maybe it was one of those moments where it was God speaking to me or it was me just coming to a realisation about what I was doing. But this phrase just came into my head and it was, you didn't love them. <coughs> Talking about a kick to the spiritual guts. I was like, oh, I didn't love them. Which is crazy because if you asked me, do you love these people? Yes, of course. I would do anything for them, except let them take the fish and chips to the boring pie. <laughs> I'd do anything. I love these people, and yet I had chosen not to act as if I loved them in that moment. And it caused me to think, what's going on? Why did I not choose to act in a way that loved them? And so for me, I had started this journey of trying to figure out what does it really look like for me to love other people? Because like I said, I'm terrible at it. I'm not a natural when it comes to doing those things. And I realise that I have many misconceptions, you probably have many misconceptions, and some of them for me were, you know, I felt like love had to be a warm feeling of, you know, affection towards another person, and if I had that, then I would behave in an appropriate way. Unfortunately, I don't feel that very often, so I was like, well, that's not going to work. Secondly, I thought, well, maybe love is all about the big grand gestures. Maybe if I just cycle over to my friend's house with a Bluetooth speaker playing his favourite song, standing out the window while it's raining... You know, like, what's that movie? I don't know it, but I've just seen the scene. And I'm like, maybe that's what love is. And the truth is we all have seen love in different ways, whether we've seen it on TV, in movies, we've seen it in our families, or we've seen it from how our friends have loved us. And all of those things have given us good images of what love looks like and distorted images of what love looks like. And so as you try and piece this thing together, it can get really complicated and again, as Christians, we have to deal with the fact that sometimes we read our Bible and we'll stumble across John 13, 34 to 35, and it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All of a sudden, you're reading this and trying to figure out how to love people, and you realize you're commanded to love people, and your reputation is that you should be known by how you love people. And so all of a sudden, we're trying to deal with distorted images of what it looks like to love one another, while also feeling the simultaneous pressure to be known by our love and to be commanded to love one another. But thankfully, in just those two verses, there's something that makes this so simple for us. While we can try and unpack what love looks like, basically Jesus says this. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Now, we often, I think, read that as because I have loved you. Love one another because I have loved you. But what he's saying, no, love one another as I have loved you. So follow my example of how I've loved you to know how to love one another. And so today, we're just going to look at an example of how Jesus loved others so that we can have a really clear framework for what it looks like for us to love others one another. And to do that, we're going to look at a story found in John 13, which is just before uh, this just phrase where Jesus tells us to love one another. And kind of the background is that Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, having a Passover meal together. And uh, at this Passover meal, Jesus and the disciples have walked in and uh, no one's washed their feet, which was a custom that was expected at the time when you walked into a house to wash your feet. Now, Jesus, recognizing this, goes, that's not how it should be. And it's kind of gross and smelly in here. So I'm going to wash my disciples' feet. 
Now, at the time, that was something that no one in Jesus' position would do. And we see that if you look at the story, when Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet, Peter's aghast at the idea. He's like, why would you do that? No, I don't want you to wash my feet. If anything, I'm going to wash yours. And Jesus says, no, Peter, I need to wash your feet. Otherwise, you have nothing to do with me. Now, classic Peter going way over the top. He's like, well, Jesus, don't wash my feet. Wash my whole body. I'm like, Peter, it's weird. You basically said, like, don't wash my feet. Bathe me, Jesus. Here, go pull up, a, pull up a bath and, you know, like, and wash me really clean. And it's like, come on, Peter, settle down. We get it. You're all in. Just let Jesus wash your feet, all right? It's a bit weird. But Peter's like, all right, and, uh, and Jesus washes his feet. He washes everyone else's feet. And we pick it up here at John 13, verses 12 to 17, which says, uh, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And we see in this moment that Jesus has again used this phrase, I have set you an example. I've set you an example. Now, Thankfully for us, people have studied this long enough and hard enough, that what Jesus is not offering is that we become a place that offers free foot washes every single Sunday. I mean, I would get a little bit excited about the thought about coming to church and always getting my feet washed. That would be great. I'm already excited enough about church, but that would just take me over the edge. You know, like, oh, it's church and my feet are getting washed. Come on, this is going to be such a good day. You know, like, clean as, get my nails done, all of that sort of jazz. But... He's not necessarily talking about the physical act of us washing each other's feet, but rather the attitude and the experience that Jesus gave to his disciples is what we ourselves should also follow the example of. As I said before, Jesus was doing something that was really just only for the servants, the slaves, the people who were the lowest of the low. And so the reason for that is because it was just so disgusting. Basically, everyone walked around in Birkenstocks, which is already like weird enough as it is for men these days who walk around in Birkenstocks. If you do that, that's fine, good choice. But like, I feel uncomfortable about it, okay? I would never do it. <laughs> that's basically what I'm saying. Follow my lead. But uh, they're walking around basically in Birkenstocks everywhere, but it was dusty. There was animal poop everywhere. They had their own sweat and who knows what else. And what would happen is they would walk to the house and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that what they do is they take their shoes off outside and don't bring that in. And then they would walk in, but their feet are still gross. And the idea was that they would come in and the servant or the slave of the house would come and wash their feet so that their feet were clean so they could go and eat and recline and not be like reclining with gross, dirty feet up in everyone else's business. And so this was a really disgusting act, and it basically made the person unclean and unfit to be around other people, which is why it was reserved for the lowest of the low. So there's no way known that someone of Jesus' stature, the leader of that group of people, would ever serve the other. And it's interesting because Jesus actually gets nothing out of this. Sometimes we could, you know, look at it and go, oh, that's a nice thing to do to make people really like Jesus. But back in those days, it was, it was offensive. You see it by Peter's reaction. How dare you think, Jesus, that you could ever wash my feet? See, what Jesus is doing is not serving his purposes. It's not necessarily making him more favorable to the people. He's definitely not getting paid for it. There's no really clear reason why Jesus would do this at this time. But he does it, and then he says, 
follow my example. Follow my example. And what he's saying to these disciples and what he's saying to us is actually that there's something more to serving than just helping someone in need. But serving in this moment for Jesus was an expression of his love for the disciples. See, the only thing that could motivate Jesus in that moment to do it, there's no financial gain, there's no real relational gain, there's no reputation gain, but there is a moment where he expresses his love to his disciples. Jesus washed their feet because he loved them. And what we need to understand and what Jesus is trying to get us to follow in his example is this, is that love is expressed through serving. Love is expressed through serving. For all of us, we express our love for others through serving. Now, I love my wife, Rachel. You can ask me a million times, and I'll say every single time that I love my wife, Rachel. But you know I love my wife, Rachel, if you saw what happened on my day off this week. I have Wednesdays off as my day off, because past life, you don't get Sundays off, so you have to have another day instead. So Wednesday was my day off. So Rachel goes off to work, I have a little bit of a sleep in, and I wake up Wednesday morning ready for the day. Now, my plan was pretty self-centered. I was going to go to the gym, and then I was going to come home and play NBA on my PS4, and then I was going to do some light reading, and then I was going to work on some personal projects and completely neglect my university studies. That was my plan uh, for my Wednesday. And uh, I got up and I just looked around our room and I ventured out to the lounge room in the kitchen and look, things were a little bit messy and fair enough, we'd had a pretty busy two weeks, you know, I'd been down to Victoria for some stuff, Rachel had been working hard, she works uh, in like HR and it's end of financial year time for her, so she's flat chat, we had some after hours church meetings, all of these things, it had just been busy and things had sort of piled up a little bit. And I remember standing there in the lounge room on Wednesday and I thought, Rachel would love it if I cleaned this whole house today. She didn't ask me to, but I just knew there was one of those things that if she came home and the house was really clean, all our clothes had been washed, kitchen clean, lounge room clean, she would be like, oh, thank you so much. And I would be a moderately okay husband for the week, you know, like I would move up into the positive ranks on the books. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. Now, if you really knew me, I know we maybe this is the first time we're meeting, if you really knew me, you know that this is not my favourite thing to do. If cleaning is your favourite thing to do, I'm so jealous of you, but it's not mine. And on Wednesday, I cleaned and dried all of our clothes. I washed and put away all of our dishes, cleaned the kitchen, and then I cleaned the whole entire lounge room. And then I played NBA for the rest of the afternoon on my PS4. So I still got a little bit of what I wanted, but I did that solely because I love my wife and I wanted her to come home after a busy day at work and feel like relaxed, and that she didn't have any pressure to do any cleaning, all of that sort of stuff. Now, if you knew me five years ago, you'd be like, wow, Ben, the transformation is incredible. You're a whole new man, okay? Rachel is so blessed that you've improved, you know? Like, <laughs> but I did that solely because I love my wife. And you guys could think of all of the different ways that you serve people that you love, and you do it because you're expressing your love through serving. And we see Jesus did that for his disciples by washing their feet, but Jesus does that for all of us, because Jesus decided that he saw us in our mess, the mess of our sin and shame and brokenness, and realized that we were overwhelmed and unable to fix that issue ourselves. And Jesus, because he loved us, did the only thing that he could do to fix that. And he left heaven, came to earth, walked and lived a blameless life, and then died 
a painful, gruesome death on the cross for us so that we could be washed clean from the sin and the dirt and the mess that was in our lives. And he did that because he loves us. He served us by going to the cross for our sin. That was love expressing itself through service. And we see that Jesus expresses his love for his disciples by serving them and washing their feet. I express my love for my wife, Rachel, by serving her and cleaning the entire house. And Jesus expresses his love for all of us by serving us and going and dying on the cross in our place. Love is expressed through service. Now, I know that there's some of you here who are also thinking, Ben, love is expressed through service, but there are a lot of acts of service that I don't do because I love the people. I do it because they're my boss. I do it because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. And really, that's the main thing. And in fact, if I'm really thinking about it, Ben, there's probably some people that I really don't love at all and I would never serve them. In fact, I kind of like when they struggle because they've made my life difficult and it's kind of nice to see their life being difficult too. What do I do then? How do I love them when I really don't love them? Because I'm never going to help them. I'm never going to serve them. And here's, here's what I would say to you. If that's how you feel towards these people, if that's how you feel about some of these things, my encouragement to you is to go and serve them. Now, I know that sounds simplistic, but seriously, what is so incredible about the act of service has been discovered, not just in the Bible, but by sociologists and psychologists. What they find, right, is that actually when you serve someone, what happens is that you bond with them. So I was reading this article in Psychology Today, and basically they described it like this. We all know that Dave loves coffee, right? He loves coffee. And so one day I'm driving into work, and I thought, Dave's going to be at work today. And Dave's really annoying. But you know what? I'm going to bless him with a coffee. Now, fo sorry, follow the example. I don't actually think Dave's annoying, just to clarify. But follow the example. Dave's really annoying, but you know what? I'm going to buy him a coffee. Now, many people think... We're doing that so that then Dave will like me more so that he'll stop annoying me. But what psychologists and sociologists have actually found is that Dave will get the coffee and go, thanks, Ben, that's really great. But he doesn't necessarily like me more. He doesn't necessarily love me more. But what actually happens is that me, as the person serving him, connects with him, bonds with him, and loves him more. So what's weird is it's counterintuitive, but when we serve other people, we actually come to love them more. How, co how cool is that? See, C.S. Lewis, the Christian author and theologian, uh, says it like this. If we can just chuck it up on the screen. It says this. It says, do not waste time bothering or considering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. And then it says this, as soon as we, as we do this, we find one of the greatest secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love them. And this, is, and this is the truth. It's so cool because we see it in the Bible. We see C.S. Lewis as a Christian theologian recognises it. And sociologists and psychologists these days are just proving it. But serving others grows our love. Serving grows our love. So when we actually have the opportunity to serve someone, even if we don't love them, we will come to love them. Which is why it's so important that if we're going to be people who are known for our love for one another, we have to be people who serve one another. 
Because the incredible thing is it's like this beautiful circle. You might already love someone, and so you're going to serve that person. And then because you've served that person, you're going to love them just a little bit more. But the best part about that is if you don't yet love them, just start serving them, and you'll come to love them, and then you'll love serving them. And so all of this happens. We love one another when we choose to serve one another because love is expressed through service and our love grows through serving. And so my encouragement to you here is how can you go and express your love for others this week? You know, I'm sure that for many of you, you're sitting here right now and you have people on your mind and things that you can do for them. You already know how you could love someone this week. But for many of you, it could just be something, just something so simple. Could be even here at church. You know that there's a family that maybe uh, struggle to get here every week because they've only got one car and sometimes one of the parents is working on a Sunday. You know that you could potentially just help them get to church. That act of serving is love expressing itself for those, for those people. Maybe for some of you it's at work. There's some, a co-worker that you know is responsible for an area and they're struggling with a project, but you actually have some skills and some abilities that could help them just speed up the process so they don't miss the deadline. And you go, you know what? I'm going to stick back a couple of hours after work and help them with this. That's love expressing itself through serving. There's so many different ways for you to be people who show your love for one another through serving, but also to be people who grow your love for one another through serving. Because all you have to do is just see a need, see a moment where you go, I could help with that. I mean, it could even be today after the service, you just see that there's a few extra dishes and the team are trying to help give coffees and stuff out to people. And you go, you know, what? I can just jump in there and serve that. I can just clean up those dishes just while they're busy doing that sort of stuff. It's so simple and it's so easy to express your love through serving. And at the same time, knowing that you're growing your love through serving. And it's great because when we as people do this, as a collective group of people, we'll become known for our love for one another. Because actually what will happen is every time we come in here and we serve each other, what's happening is we're making this a place where we love each other more, where we serve each other more, and the cycle just continues to grow. And to the point when people are coming in off the street, they come in and go, what is this place? They love so extravagantly. Their love is so different. They serve each other just like non-stop. It's kind of like they're constantly trying to like out-serve each other. It's like, here, here's the door. Well, thank you, I'll close the door behind you. You know, like everyone's just trying to out-serve each other because they so love one another. And that will be what we're known by. We will be known as Logan Baptist Church. You know, Gateway Baptist Logan. I can always get it confused. Gateway Baptist Logan. And we'll be known because the people walking in, those people love one another. Those people love one another. But the great thing is, collectively, we as a church here can do the exact same principle for the community around us. We can love Logan and show our love for Logan by serving it. Whether that's in community events or just in our own context, whether it's at your school or you know, uh, in your social groups or just in your own like, uh, street, you can just show your love and be known as a community that cares for Logan. And as you as a church continue to serve Logan, you will grow in your love for Logan. You'll grow in your love for the people of Logan. And we will be a church that has a profound impact in Logan, not because we dictate how it lives, but because we show the love that we have for it. And they experience it through how we serve the community around us. All of these things can happen when we choose to be people who express our love for one another through serving. 
It's both as simple and as complicated as that. Love is expressed through serving. And as we serve one another, we grow our love for one another too. It's pretty brilliant if I, if I really think about it. Like God is so good in his creativity that he gave us one simple act to both show our love and grow our love. One simple act, the act of service. And so what I want to do as we uh, come to finishing up is I actually want to create two moments. The first one is I recognise that there may be some people in this room this morning and you go, you know what, I'm, I'm not following Jesus at the moment. Uh, I don't necessarily know his love in my life. And what I want to do is I want to, uh, in a moment, give you the opportunity to just say, you know what, I would like to take a step in following Jesus. I want to find out a little bit about uh, his love. It sounds like he's seen my life, the mess that it's been, and he wants to wash it clean and fix it and help me through it. And he actually died because he loves me, that that was an expression of his love for me. And today you, you are sitting here and you're going, I want to be a part of that. I want, to, I, want to, I want to start that journey. And all you'll be doing is putting up your hand to symbolize that, to say, hey, I want to start that journey. And then you'll be just be joining the rest of us on it. You know, I'm up here on stage, but I'm the same. I'm still on the journey of trying to follow Jesus. So if we could just close our eyes and just bow our heads where we are right now, this is just going to create an opportunity for you if you're here to just raise your hand where you are. Because I believe that God's here this morning and He really wants to move in your life, that actually He's seen you. Even if you're here and you're going, I don't follow Him yet, He's already had His hand over your life. He's seen you and He knows you. And so if that is you, in a moment, I just want you to just raise your hand where you are. Like I said, it's not because... Now, raising your hand is anything super special. It's just identifying yourself and going, yep, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to know his love in my life. I want to make that decision. And so if that is you this morning, I'd love for you to just raise your hand where you are right now. If you're sitting here and you're going, I want to follow Jesus. I want to start that journey. I want to take that next step. If that's you, just raise your hand where you are this morning. Just a little more time. I know that it can be nerve-wracking sometimes to do it because you feel like, oh, everyone's going to look at me, but no one's looking. It's just between you and God. If that's you, just feel free to raise your hand. It's not going to be much longer. I would love for you to just raise your hand if that's you. All right, easy. That's all good. It's fine. Everyone, you can open your eyes and we'll come back together now. We just do that every week because we want people to know that there's always an opportunity for them to start the journey of following Jesus, that they don't have to wait for a special moment, but they know they can come any Sunday. And actually that can be the Sunday that they decide to follow Jesus. So thanks for letting us create the space for people to potentially make that decision. It's important for us to do. Now, what I want the rest of us to do is to just spend some time, we're going to have the band play underneath us and just spend some time thinking and reflecting about what it looks like for us to love people this week. And what I'd love for you to do is, hopefully you got a life group booklet as you came in, it should have been on your seats. We'd love for you to be using them and bringing them to church each week throughout this series because we're going to be creating times and opportunities for you to reflect on what it will look like for you to go out and do whatever the one another was that week. And so this week it's about loving one another. And what we want to do is we want to create some time for you to reflect around this question. And the question is, what does love require of me? What does love 
require of me? And the reason I like this question is because it's a question you can plug into any situation. You're gonna be sitting at home, the kids are driving you mad, and one of them wants some help with some homework, and you're trying to get some extra work done. And you can just feel like, no, I just wanna blow them off and just focus on what I need to do. And you can ask yourself the question, what does love require of me? And then you can act on it. You can be at work, similar situation, boss is driving you insane, you've got a deadline to meet, and someone else just needs your help on a project of their own. And you feel like, again, just, no, I need to do my own thing. But you ask yourself the question, what does love require of me? It's just this question you can plug into any situation that you find yourself in. And uh, it would be great for you to just spend a moment and just think, what does love require of me this week? Is there someone that I need to go and serve? Is there some way I can go and help them? And if you are thinking about that, we'd love for you to just write it down, physically write it down, because it helps us remember, and then it also helps us act on it. Uh, and then uh, later at the end, we've got a little card that we're going to give to you guys. It'll have the question on it. What does love require of me? So you can be reminded about it uh, throughout the week. So would you just take a moment? The band's just going to play. I'm just going to stand over here and just think about what does love require of me this week as I go and express my love for others through serving them? you've just had a little time to think and something's been prompted for you about maybe a person or an action that you can take uh, this week so that you can express your love for those people through serving them uh, this week. But I would uh, really just love for you to really think about that question and own that question. What does love require of me as you just go about your life? Because the great thing is that love asks us to serve others. Love asks us to express our love through serving and knowing that at the same time, it's going to help grow our love for others too. And so I'd love uh, for us to just finish. We're just going to stand and sing and worship our God one more time because He is just uh, so good and He has served us uh, so faithfully through uh, His Son Jesus and just even how He works in our life now. So He's worthy of just being worshipped uh, one last time. But I uh, thank you for having me here this morning. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to seeing how you guys are going to continue to love uh, one another. But let's worship God together this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.